powerful message to get through today. All right. So my powerful message for you is you have overcome some of the biggest challenges in your life already. Whatever it is that you are facing today or are even concerned about facing tomorrow. For one thing, things never work out in the way that you expect them to. Sometimes they work out better, but you can never be completely and fully prepared. But you can remember that you've been through some of the toughest stuff already. So you've already got all of the foundations there to be able to go on and succeed and to get through it and to make it to another day. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance podcast, Dr. James Perdue. All right, it's that time again and everything. Come on in. Grab your cup of joe again. I tell people, my cup of joe is so flooded down with hazelnut creamer, you can't even tell coffee's there. So, but grab your favorite cup of joe, beverage, water, get you a little snack, sit back, let's get some inspiration, let's get some motivation, let's learn something, provide some hope, encouragement for the next people. Again, we talk about overcoming adversities and we can help the people in the future. Help the people today. All right, we'll help the people today too. Hey, I'm Dr. James Purdue, the Professor of Perseverance. Thank you for coming in on the Professor of Perseverance podcast. Today, our guest, wow, let me just tell you wow, okay? When her dad passed away, and that's enough in itself, you know, because we love our parents. And so when one of them passes, that's enough in itself. But when he passed away, her mom was diagnosed with a rare brain disease. And then on top of that, she became legal guardian of her sister, who has severe learning disabilities and extreme epilepsy. Wow, that's enough in itself to, to be taking care of other people that, you know, that need it then expect a lot. So welcome to the show, Gemma Bailey. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here today. And it's a lovely day here. So <laughs> I tell you, in the States, we don't say lovely. So I, I, may, I, may try to, I may try to start that trend, see if we can get something going. <laughs> I'll so. throw in as many as I can whilst we're talking. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Good deal. And again, appreciate you for coming in and, and things. And, and man, man, yeah, it's a, it could be a, a podcast of itself talking about the loss of mom and dad. You know? Yeah. And I mean, because yeah. we, we love so much from them, learn so much from them, just everything. But again, then on top of that, you have your mom with the rare brain disease that you're having to care for, your sister, yes. which you already knew with the learning disability, but now yeah. it's time to take care of her because mom can't do it like she used to. And yeah. so a lot of uh, piled up on you seemingly at one time. Yeah. And I think that that was the thing, was it was so many different things happening simultaneously. Um, I I think for a while there, I didn't know which way was up, you know, it, and which thing to do first. I would say that that's one of the most uh, difficult things. Anyone who's been through um, a series of multiple challenging situations happening simultaneously, one of the difficult things is to know, actually, which fire do I do I put out first? 
uh, where do I get started? So, yeah, it was a pretty overwhelming experience. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. So, again, now, in between, of course, I'm assuming, and I could be just dumb wrong, but I'm assuming that sisters had this condition. So, you knew this before anything yeah. ever happened with the mom yeah, and dad. Yeah, so... If I completely rewind, kind of right back to the early stages of my life. Um, so my parents were separated when I was really young. And, um, and and so that was a normal thing to me to grow up with parents who were divorced. Um, in the beginning, my sister was still living with us too. But as her epilepsy got particularly bad she was actually taken into state care so she went off to live in uh, what was then called a children's home so we don't really have children's homes here in the UK very much anymore um, but she went off to live in a, a home with lots of other people with learning difficulties and she actually was moved quite far away from us so it became really difficult for us to see her and then fast forward a, a few decades and my sister actually returned back to my hometown, which is in Hertfordshire in the UK. So we're right down near London. And so we just started getting back into a bit of a groove of uh, seeing her regularly and having her in our, our everyday lives. Um, and my mum in particular was really pleased that my sister was back in the neighbourhood because it meant that she could have my sister to sleep overnight um, and they could do day trips and stuff like that together. So they were really quite, um, you know, their lives were really woven into each other. And I would have to say that I was not as proactive at engaging with my sister as my mum was. And partly that was due to the fact that whilst my sister was living away for so long, I grew up, you know, I went from being a tiny person to being a slightly taller person and, you know, changed significantly. And well, I you think still had, you still had a life to live. And I did still have and a it, life to live. It, yeah. It, so a lot happened. A, yeah. It's not ignoring your sister, but you have to live exactly. your life as well and, yes. and have the best that you can. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, it's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in that time, I'd set up a couple of businesses. So I'd also made myself extraordinarily busy uh, with the businesses. And my sister had kind of forgotten who I was. So um, we would still have a pleasant interaction with each other. But you could tell with my mum, she absolutely knows who my mum is. With me, she was a bit like, hey. <laughs> and the engagement wasn't quite the same level. Mm -hmm. So um I'd been a little bit anxious about, you know, what what was expected of me in regards to how involved I should be with my sister in the future. Um, and I'd never anticipated that, you know, things could have worked out in, in the way that they did. Um, so, yeah, within a, a very short period of time, um, I'd, I'd moved back into the same neighbourhood as my mum and sister were living in. And it was within three months that my dad had passed away. Um, he had alcoholism. So there was, you know, a lot of uh, difficulty in my relationship with him due to that. And, um, it, you know, in a way, losing my dad, it was it was in part the loss of my relationship with him, but it was also the loss of the relationship I didn't 
have with him that mm-hmm. was very difficult because you know you grow up seeing other people and their family dynamics and their family relationships and some of that I didn't really have with him so um yeah it was it was a very sad time in part because you know now I was never going to be able to make up for the things that we'd never had together and literally on the same day that he had passed was the day that the penny dropped in my mind and I realized something is definitely not okay with my mum and I think it had been itching in my brain that things were not okay with her but when I came back from the hospital and I phoned her and said um, you know even though they they hadn't been together for a very very long time um, I still wanted her to know that he'd passed away so I, I called her and her reaction to that was so blasé and peculiar mm-hmm. that I instantly knew there's something not right with her. Yeah. Um, and it took a little while because, in a way, I had to sort of convince myself that some of the, you know, the odd ways in which she was behaving that there was something more to it other than her just being a bit strange. Um, And she'd always been quite eccentric as a character and, you know, done some crazy stuff. And my friends would laugh at the stories I would tell about her. Um, So it was really difficult to define this new level of crazy in comparison to some of the other quirky things that she might have done in, in the past. And, you know, in the end, it came down to her really struggling with things like empathy. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, she had a very strange reaction when I called her to tell her that my dad had died. In that moment, she said to me, um, how much money do you think you'll get once you sell his apartment? And I said, I, I just got back from the hospital. He just died. And it was just such a bizarre thing for her to be thinking about in that moment. Mm -hmm. So it was like incidents like that that were kind of adding up. And, you know, when I reflected a few months later and I'd, you know, only really just come out the other side of um, dealing with my dad's estate and his funeral and the emotional aspects of him passing away. And I'm sort of reflecting all all of that period of time and going, this was a strange thing my mum said. That was a strange thing that she did. When we did that, she did it in the wrong order and sequence. And that's an everyday thing. And she was kind of doing stuff backwards. Um, and we ended up going to see her doctor. Um, and she had an assessment and a brain scan. And then we ended up spending a, a whole day in the hospital where they did some really, really thorough checking. And that was when they told us that she has this rare brain disease, which is called frontal temporal dementia. Um, And those uh, frontal temporal lobes are um, related to things like behavior and also some emotional aspects. So things like empathy and uh, showing caring towards other people. And so as soon as I heard that diagnosis, it made complete sense to me that that's why I'm seeing all of these symptoms that I've been seeing with her. And it was it, it's strangely fortunate that I happened to work in mental health. So that was, I think, what made it um, 
perhaps a bit more digestible, but also easier for me to identify what was going on. Oh, yeah, being in the uh, mental health uh, program, not program, but... Um, in uh, that field. You, in that field, thank you, in that field. Yeah. You, you, you catch on to the hot spots and the signs. Exactly. is not right. Because you're yes. just so used to it being in your field, your yeah. area, yes. So, yeah. wow. That, uh, wow, literally on the same day. That's, that's, I know, right? It's hard. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really tough. Um, and you yeah, time, and then, you know, didn't have time to grieve dad gone, nope. and then all of a sudden you had to deal with mom. Wow, yep. that, that's that's remarkable. Yeah, yeah, and I think my brain went into kind of hyperdrive at that point because um, I was instantly sort of thinking. How quickly is this disease going to progress? What am I going to see? What are the symptoms going to be coming up? Where's she going to live? What do I do about her house? What do I do if I can't? You know, all of these things, which actually I didn't need to worry about a lot of those things immediately. But in a way, you know, starting to plan for what was coming up was good. What I hadn't really paid attention to, I guess, what I hadn't... Um, you know, sort of included in all of that planning was my sister. And my sister had, as I said, come come back to the town where we live after a very long time, you know, living elsewhere and not really knowing me all that well anymore. And as uh, the next couple of years with my mum progressed, it became clear that my mum was not really caring for my sister in the way that she should do mm -hmm. um and in addition the uh so my mum would only maybe see my sister um a couple of days a week and, and one overnight stay um but the home that my sister was in was really not meeting her needs either and this had also been flagged up by uh social workers and so at the same point that I started to take responsibility for um, my sister and making sure that her care was as it should be. I was also simultaneously looking for a new care home for her whilst finding a care home for my mum. And uh, yeah, so then I had kind of both of them moving uh, within a very short period of time. Um, and uh, my mum um, is still with us, although she's now in the final stages of the disease that she has. Um, and my sister ended up moving to a specialist epilepsy centre. Um, and having been there for a little while now, they've actually started to do some research around new kinds of epilepsy medication um, that might actually be able to help reduce those um, seizures that she has. So that's some, you know, some really positive things that have come out of all of that disruption for her is that you know um, as a result of me stepping in I was able to put her in uh, a new home which is much more suitable for her needs and that they're really thinking in a, a much more um, holistic way uh, around how they can care for her and, and make the quality of her life better. Yeah, and I'm glad that your awareness with your mental mental field in the mental health field that you were able yes. to recognize everything with sister, not getting her yeah. needs met, of course, with mom as well, not getting meeting the sister's needs, but the home 
not yes. doing what they're so I don't understand these places when they're getting paid know, so right? much that they don't do the right thing because I mean look at it probably probably it's not 100% accurate but probably we're all going to be in one of them homes somewhere down the line exactly and yeah. so the people that are working there and yeah. they're doing the minimal assistance as possible know. they don't think it's going to happen to them yeah I know. I, I, I get to understand that part. You mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I would work my butt to help them to hopefully ensure that it'll come back to me later on that I'll have a good assistant working and helping exactly, me. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I get to understand it. So I'm, I'm glad you an advocate for your sister to get a better place to go stay and find some uh, new, new. Uh, uh, um, you said the holistic type of treatment yeah for her. Yes. so i'm glad that you uh, you found that for her too as well yeah. being an advocate for her uh yeah, and, and this dementia this dementia stuff and alzheimer's and stuff like that yeah it's just a cruel way to take really somebody away from you and for yeah. them to live you mean because my grandmother went through it and okay. i had to eventually, i had to eventually tell my you know not say it to my grandmother but yeah she was evil to me. She didn't like me for whatever yeah. reason. But my yeah. older brother, he could do no wrong. Right. And so, uh, so, uh, so I, I had to eventually go. The grandmother I know has just passed away, and uh -huh. this is just a shell. And had yes. you know tried to separate myself. And yeah, yeah. Now I brought in my my mother is eighty one years old, and she's showing signs. Oh, and I'm so she's sorry. moved in with me, so I can help watch as long yeah. as I can. But, okay. Yeah, this dementia stuff, it, it's, it's a cruel way to end a life. It really when, is. When the, they don't know anything, they don't know their, yeah. who they are later, they don't know you. Yeah. And yeah. 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 I mean, the one thing I would say with the type of dementia that my mum's got is it's very different to something like Alzheimer's in that a lot of her memory is preserved. I, I say a lot. It's difficult to know how much. She still knows who I am. She still knows who she is. She still knows all of our relatives. It seems like there's a kind of um, very specific uh, periods or people in her life that she doesn't remember so well. Um, but she's lost things like the use of her body. Um, she... Uh, it really doesn't have very much language left. Um, but when she does communicate, when she does talk, she's kind of in, in some ways, it's like she's still there, but she just can't function in the way that she would have done. And, and a bit like you were saying there, um, it's felt like just a very long goodbye because when I think about, in, in fact, sometimes when I talk about her, if I'm referencing the past before she had the brain disease, I would say that was my old mum. This is my new mum. Mm -hmm. Like there's a very clear difference between the two of them. So I had old mum who was, you know, in her sort of normal stage. And then I had kind of crazy mum where she was still functioning, but she had the start of the disease and we didn't know what was going on. And she was just doing some, you know, quite strange things. And now there's the mum that I've got now who is, you know, disabled. She's on like liquid food. Um, 
She can barely communicate at all. She absolutely can't look after herself whatsoever. Um, and so I've had like kind of three mums along the way, but they're all mm -hmm. sort of locked in the same body. And she really has absolutely no quality of life whatsoever. But unlike with Alzheimer's, we haven't had that quite painful experience of her not knowing who we are or not knowing, um, you know, who she is. All mm -hmm. of that is still there, um, but it's, yeah, she's just kind of lost a lot of the character that she was. Yes, yes. Yeah, my, my mom, she's uh, 81, and it's only been the last four, three, four or five years. Okay. she's pretty much stayed pretty stable right now. Uh, yeah. Stayed, but hers is the thing. She can take anything 60 years ago like it happened right. yesterday. But wow. she can't remember anything five minutes ago. You know, yeah, she'll yeah. come in and say, uh, uh, did, uh, did, you know, what, what, for example, she she said, um, uh, what do we have for breakfast or what do we got? What do we have for breakfast? I said, right. Mom, we, we've had breakfast. Yes. And yes. she's already forgotten. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so hers, she still communicates. She still get up yeah. and bathe and stuff yes. like that. And I'm in a wheelchair. I don't know if you knew that. So as yeah. long as I can keep her out of those homes as long as we can, me and my brother. Yeah. Then, uh, but once she gets bedridden, I hate to say it, with me in a wheelchair. Uh, yeah. I hate to, it's going to get to, tricky then. Yeah. I'll have to test those waters. And yeah. so I'm not looking forward to that one yet. So, all right. No. Uh, Gemma, while well, you, you've got a lot on your plate there in a yeah. short amount of time. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, uh, there's other people that's been through it and gone through things fast and a lot at one time and fortunately yeah. for some people in life everything is spread out thin as jelly yes throughout the whole <laughs> life and they really don't know because it's spaced out so much so, yeah i'm jealous I, of those people <laughs> I, I tell you what um i mean i'm glad for them that yeah. is that for them but uh, and and stuff like you going through and i uh, wouldn't uh, I'm old enough now. I'm way older than you. That uh, you know, this stuff. When they say I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I, no. life's too short to mess with your enemies. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I hope they have the best life as possible. But I, you know, yeah. for them to get as much as you've gotten, I wouldn't wish it on them either. No, no, nor would I. But do you know what? One of the things I do think at times is, thank God, it's happening to me because. I think about other people that I know, you know, other friends, extended family, who I see kind of get really paralysed or, or blown over by what, in my opinion, is quite a small situation. Um, you know, they'll get really overwhelmed by something that I would just kind of go, meh. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, I've, I've seen people in uh, my circle of friends and whatnot, uh, whoever's. Uh, yeah, they freak over, freak out over the littlest things. Yeah, and I, and I sit back and go, "Hmm, I only got my neck, <laughs> I only got my neck broken, paralyzed." Wow, and uh, yeah, I, I yeah. don't say that to them because again, no. I don't, wanna, I don't want to sound like I'm minimizing their. Yeah, they, sure. there's there's Their a lot of people that don't yeah. that don't know how to handle things. Exactly, what we would think would be normal, and yeah. the way they're doing it, it might be normal for them. That's the way they've always been. Uh, who yeah. knows? Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. I think that as difficult as life can be with these sorts of um, challenges, whether they come all at once, whether they come out, you know, over, over bursts throughout somebody's lifetime, you've got you've got to do your best to see the silver lining around those clouds where you can. And sometimes the best that you get out of something is being able to say, um, you know, I, I learned something from that. That's made me stronger. I'm going to be better equipped the next time something like that comes along. You know, I'll have hope next time because I know that I can get through it. Whereas, you know, maybe the first time round, it's more scary. Amen, sister. I agree with you that uh, I believe sometimes we go through some things is to show us how strong we are. And again, yeah. we should learn from, I don't know if we're going to learn from every situation, but we should learn from the majority and be able to use that to prepare us, like you said, for the yeah. next thing that's coming in life. Because whether you believe it or not, whether you want to believe it or not, whether you're hiding with your head in the uh, sand like an ostrich, it's yeah. come. life is coming back around again. And yeah. You, yeah, the, the better you can prepare for it, the better you can. Again, we don't have to like what's going on, but the no. sooner we can accept it, the sooner 100%. we can heal and move on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, in the uh, the type of psychotherapy that I use, so um, it's an alternative therapy called NLP. It stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And one of the principles that we talk about there, which I wouldn't say is always technically true, but is certainly a good sort of philosophy for you to have in your mind, is that if you have uh, a set of circumstances that keep causing you to feel the same way and then something else comes along and it causes you to feel that same way again and then something else comes along and it causes you to feel the same way again and you reach this point where you go like why why does life keep doing this to me why do these things keep coming along it's because you haven't got the lesson yet and so we have this belief that um you'll keep kind of getting the same types of lessons just in different scenarios until you get what you needed to learn from it and then once you've got the learning from it, it's not that those scenarios won't show up for you. It's just that you'll be able to handle them in such a way that you don't really notice that they're there anymore. There we go. And then here's the big thing I like is once we have learned how to deal with what whatever, we need to try to help other people get through theirs so they can learn and pass this on. I, I'm, I'm yes. a big believer that one reason we're on this big ball of dirt, this big marble is we should be helping other people as much as possible. Yeah, Definitely. I'm a believer in that. Um, doesn't mean I have to, I, I'm in a wheelchair, I can't mow your yard, but I can sure find someone to mow it for you if you need it. So, well, uh, and you've got, you've got a platform here. You're doing, in my opinion, one of the most important things, which is you are communicating a message that empowers people and gives people an opportunity to view their lives in a more positive way. Um, and, and that's one of the biggest things that you could ever do for somebody else. Well, Jim, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, I'll have to send a check in the mail to you. So, uh, <laughs> You're welcome. I, I appreciate you saying that because the one reason, and I've told other people, one reason I started this is not to get a big slap on the back for me and way to go, Jane, is to open. I mean, because people won't hear my same story every time I turn around. And I, I wanted to provide a platform for other people to get their message out, their story out, and how they've overcome. So again, what did I say? To help the next person. Yeah. So that's, that's so I appreciate you saying it. Thank you, Gemma. Now, uh, if, if how can you if 
uh, we know people are going through whatever and everything. How can you encourage them when they're going through times of adversity? Keep going. Don't stop. What, what would you advise? You know, I think it's something that's worked really well for me. And, you know, you have to bear in mind that I teach stuff around good mental health and I can tell you about it until I am blue in the face, but applying those same principles to myself and following my own good advice, that's a different animal. Um, so there are, for me, some quite basic things that I need to remind myself about from time to time, especially in times of adversity. So a big one for me is this is a, this is a moment in time. This is just a period in time. And whatever that adversity is, that is not going to go on forever. You know, even if it goes on until the day I die, eventually I will be free of it. So it's not going to last forever. This this too shall pass. Um, and that helps me a lot because, and sometimes I, I do this with the clients that I work with as well, is um, I'll say to them, you know, what age might you like to live until? And then I'll say, OK, let's do a calculation around how many uh, and we'll kind of break it down into whatever period of time is appropriate. So then I'll go, how many um, minutes is that that you've been alive? How many hours? How many days? How many weeks? How many months? And then we'll reflect on the problem that they're experiencing. And I'll say, well, how long do we expect this anxiety attack to last for? OK, it might last for a couple of hours. So you're going to live for this many hours and the anxiety attack is going to last for this many hours. As a percentage, how much of your entire life is that? And that really helps to put things into perspective. So I kind of do something similar for myself where I say to myself, OK, this I, I might still be um, juggling lots of different things simultaneously at the moment um, because, you know, I'm still sort of uh, taking care of my mum. I've also got an uncle who's uh, not doing so well at the moment, seeing my sister. And I'm like, OK, so there's still an awful lot that's happening. There are periods of time when it's calmer and I get to breathe a little bit. There are periods of time where it's more full on. And in those moments, I go, well, how long is it until I get the next breather? Or how much longer until all of this situation has changed completely? And I almost feel like I'm living a different life. It's I'm not going to be stuck in this forever. Um, and for me, that that really comes down to just hope. You know, I, I have hope and I have faith that it will be all right in the end. There you go. And uh, let me ask this question here now. You're talking, we're talking with uh, Gemma Bailey. And again, uh, with her dad passing away, it wasn't long after uh, mom being diagnosed with a rare brain disease and already knowing that her sister with the severe uh, learning disability and um, epilepsy, she's having to care for mom and sister here. Okay. Now, and now you brought in the uncle that's not doing so well. Uh, yeah. let, me ask, let me ask you a question here. What does Gemma have to do for herself to be able to not thin herself out so bad that you have a mental breakdown? Yeah. Or, that, physical, I, or physical breakdown yeah, or yeah. an emotional breakdown or a yeah. spiritual breakdown. What does Gemma have to do to avoid all this? Yeah, that's a really, really 
good and poignant question. Um, I, I will say firstly, I think I am lucky in that having started up my own business, uh, the first one was maybe uh, more than 12 years ago, a long time ago, um, and subsequently setting up another two, I've always been used to having a lot on my plate. So that's in a way those, you know, having all these different businesses that I was working on and, you know, taking on staff and all of the growth that I experienced in those businesses meant that I was already accustomed to what other people might see as being quite overwhelming experiences. So that's one thing. I think that I was already used to, you know, maybe burning the candle at both ends at times um, or skipping lunch or, you know, all of those things I would tell other people do not do that. Um, I'd kind of got used to that sort of a lifestyle from already being quite busy. And I always remember a friend of mine saying to me, if you want something done, ask a busy person to do it. Um, And I think it's because if you're already in the movement, then it's, you know, it's not quite such a shock to the system. Well, yeah, I, read that, I read that same statement. If you want something done, ask a busy person because yeah. you ask a lazy person that's sitting right doing nothing. <laughs> They're never going to do it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, exactly. If you want something done, you, you got to go to the to the right source. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I think on a, um, you know, more, more from the perspective of what do I do to like refill my own bucket of stamina or whatever that is um for me I like doing creative stuff um and sometimes the the creative stuff can turn into quite big projects as well so during lockdown for example I uh I had moved into this house seven years ago but I'd never got it decorated because of all of the other stuff I've told you about today that came along you know so when I was dealing with um my dad passing and my mum becoming ill and becoming guardian for my sister uh I, I successfully did all of those things but did I decorate my house hell no that never happened mm-hmm. so um you know having the time throughout lockdown where I couldn't work as much and I couldn't see my family meant that I got on board with you know my more creative side and got the decorating done um and now I've been sort of doing a project in the garden and making my garden look lovely for next summer um and yeah anything like that sometimes I might be using um illustrator or photoshop and doing creative stuff in that way or um you know designing uh like a digital design website or um yeah anything really that's a little you know got a bit of a creative buzz about it i quite enjoy doing in fact that's why i probably enjoy doing things like podcasting and youtube because i like doing the editing and the thumbnails and all of that creative side of things makes me feel good so I feel like that refills my cup of stamina and gives me a chance to kind of reconnect with myself and not be doing quite so much outputting and basically for our listeners that come in it's basically take time for yourself to do what you need to do yeah (laughs) yeah just to do what you want to do Definitely. Paint your nails. Yeah, have a bath. Go for a walk. Yeah, it's not being selfish. No. 
it's not that, but it's regenerizing, re-energizing yourself. Because again, if you don't take care of yourself, there's no way you're going to help your mom and sister. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, if if you want to be there for others, uh, you have to be be there. You have to still be able to be there. So you have to, you know, you have to feed yourself. What is it they say on the aeroplanes? You have to put on your own um, uh, oxygen mask before yeah. you do the one for the person next to you. So it's it's a similar principle. Yeah, exactly. Like if you get your oxygen mask on before you put on your child or yes. whoever is with you. Yeah. So if yeah. you can't, if you can't, can't take care of yourself, you can't help the others. Yeah, hundred so, percent. So yeah. Wow, Jim, you got a lot done here in this uh, short amount of time. I, pre- <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming in. I mean, you've got a, a big, long st- story of overcoming and working yeah. hard still. And, you know, still got things to go with mother, you said, is right to getting closer to the yes. uh, end. And, yeah, we're getting there. And so uh, we'll, we'll pray for you on that one. And so, oh, but, um, wow. But, uh, yeah, just uh, still overcome. And I like what you're talking about is see the silver lining somewhere mm-hmm. and whatever this situation is. And then yeah. you may have to grab on that and just hold on to it for a while. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, it, I think it's all about where you put your focus at the end of the day, because if and and I'm guilty of this. So I'm giving this advice to myself as well as to everybody else. Um, if your focus is just on what's going wrong in this moment that can become really consuming and then it starts to feel as if that is the world like the world is just made up of whatever that current chaos is and you don't think about what was good in the past and you don't think about what could be good in the future you're just kind of trapped in this bad experience that's happening in the right here right now um i think part of what i say when i'm talking about you know focus on the silver lining or have hope for the future know that this is just a period of time is taking you out of that moment dropping you into the future looking back on it and going oh look it ended you know and and that is a little bit of respite for your brain to know that okay this you know this will conclude at some point in time if you can find positives in the moment of now if there is good stuff that you can still tune into the in the right here right now then that's where your focus goes that's what the world starts to look like for you and that's what your experience of it uh, you know starts to show up as and you can have two people in the same situation, you know, with the same life experiences, but they both interpret that scenario in very, very different ways. And it's because of how they're psychologically, you know, setting themselves up in that moment and where they're putting their focus. I agree. Uh, I, I tell this, I call it a funny story now. It's a it's a sad uh, story, basically, but I, I laugh because I know the boy and um we grew up together. We've known each other 40 years, but he was one of them that grew up with the negative mindset. Uh-huh. Everything's wrong. Everything. I don't care what I do. And he got to where he believes everybody owed him everything. Right. All right. One time here, and it's been years ago, 20 years ago, that uh, our lottery had gotten up the first time up to half a billion. That's a Ooh. B, half a billion for the first yeah. time. He walked, He. We were talking that one day, him and I were, and he says, 
Major said, Lottery said, Yeah, man, I sure love to win that one. And then he goes, Here's what he said now, Gemma. He said, I sure love to win that. But if I did, they, and they meaning the food stamp and welfare uh, office, would take his food stamps away. I said, What? <laughs> you can't live off half a billion dollars that you need a hundred and ninety one dollars in food stamps. So yeah, we need to wow. change our focus and mind said. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I, it's sad, but I laugh about it that he, yeah. he thinks that. Um, wow. Yeah. That, yeah, I, I would love to win it, but they would take my food stamps away. That's crazy. You know? yeah, I said, you can't live off half a billion dollars. Since, uh, I mean, him and probably his entire neighborhood for the rest of eternity could live off of half a billion dollars. Oh yeah, he he could he could feed the world for a year yeah. probably. Yeah, and and feel good about himself. Amazing. He helps helped other people, but yeah, yeah, he was worried about losing that one ninety one. Food stamps. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes when I work with clients, I I do a a demonstration really of exactly what you've just mentioned with that guy there. Um, And uh, I'll share it with you now because it it could be useful to people. So um, I say to them, I want you to look around the room and say to yourself, red is in the color red. And you're going to say it in your mind or you can say it out loud and you have to look around going red, 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 red. And you'll notice that your eyes get drawn to all the red stuff that's in the room because your brain's going, there's some, I found it. There's some over there. Um, And they start, you know, up a really long list and then I say to them right close your eyes tell me about all the red stuff that you saw and they go I saw this I saw that there was one of these there was one of those they give you a great big long list of red stuff and then I say okay keep your eyes shut and tell me about the blue things that you saw and they go huh what no blue stuff what blue stuff did you see and they're like no I didn't see any blue stuff and I go okay open your eyes look around see all the blue stuff and they're like oh my god there's like blue stuff everywhere there's loads of blue stuff And then I say to them, if the red stuff was the stuff that you do not want in your life, you just saw loads of it because that's what you were busy focusing on. That's what you were thinking about. And if the blue stuff was everything that you want instead in your life, you just deleted it because you were too busy thinking about the red things. And I think that's, you know, that's basically what a lot of people do in life. (laughs) I yeah, I agree, and it's because they've been they've been nurtured and grown up uh, to conditioned, yeah. conditioned. Thank you, conditioned yeah. uh, because how their family life was growing up, or the area exactly. they grew up, and wherever, and they've and there's still a bunch of them, a few that mm-hmm. get out of this situation, but there's a yes. lot of them that return to it, and they yeah, think yeah, this is my destiny. This yeah, they believe yeah. this is their destiny, and this way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And they don't try or want to get out of that yeah. situation because they're not, they, they feel it's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, so. definitely. And I don't know about for you, James, but for me, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm in this game. I do what I do for a living. And even, you know, to some extent with helping my family as I do, I do it for those chances, those moments where you have that kind of a conversation with someone and the light bulb comes on above their head and they go, oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. 
I'm going to focus on it in this way instead. And it's like, ah. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool when you when you can, maybe not literally, but you can see that light bulb finally click exactly. on. Exactly. And, and yes. see their face. It's it's amazing when, when you can see that. So, yeah. all right, Gemma, hey, thank you for being here with uh, all you're going on and how you have persevered through life and really appreciate you helping out. Uh, for our listeners coming in, I give us your social media, and you're also a podcast host of yourself. And go ahead and tell us tell us about this. Yeah, wonderful. Um, so I have a podcast which is called the People Building Podcast. Um, we're actually on the verge of a brand new series called Extraordinary People, um, and that's kind of what brought me here talking to James today. Is because um, in terms of the work that he does around perseverance, you kind of need to be a bit of an extraordinary person. So I think this is going to appeal to a lot of you guys out there as well. Um, so I'm going to be speaking to people that have gone through extraordinary life-changing circumstances. Some of those are good, some of those are not so good, but they went on to succeed. They didn't just survive, they thrived because of what they went through. And that's what I'm going to be sharing with you in this brand new series called Extraordinary People, which is from the People Building Podcast. So you can find that podcast on all of the different podcasting platforms. Uh, it's also available on YouTube in video format. So it's youtube.com forward slash people building. And then for all of the social media handles, it's at people building. So Instagram, Twitter, and then on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash people building. Um, and that will also take you back towards uh, where you can find the podcast there as well. And I'll put those links in the show notes to help people make it a little easier. But uh, awesome. I tell people, do the old, what's they call the old Google search. So if you oh, yes. took G, uh, Gemma, G-E-M-M-A, Bailey, B-A, can't see I. it? I-L-E-Y. And <laughs> then it. you just Google it, everything will pop up, but then go from there. So Absolutely. Gemma, I appreciate it. And uh, whether you know it or not, I'm, I'm going to be one of your guests on your show uh, extraordinary people, or, or or I guess, or I could be like you said earlier, pretty, ordinary, <laughs> extraordinary. So uh, on your show. So, but uh, uh, I appreciate you coming in, and you provided a lot of information, a lot of help for people, and a lot of positivity and a lot of hope. So I appreciate Thank you doing that and, and coming from there. So everyone else, I'm, hey, you don't you have to be going through all this. Uh, negativity and badness all at one time, grouped out, spread out, whatever. Again, you don't have to be a spine cord injury like me, but the message of providing hope, perseverance, to go forward, resiliency is still the message you're the same. Share this out for people, and we'll move on from there in life. So, hey, I'm the Professor of Perseverance. Thank you for coming in for the Professor of Perseverance podcast. And do it with us, what I always, oh, I always end like this. Actually, before I end this, Jim, I would like you to do one more thing for us. We know the people yes. are hurting and struggling. If you could yeah. give us a little powerful message to help them get through today, that would be mm -hmm. awesome. Powerful message to get through today. All right. So my powerful message for you is you have overcome some of the biggest challenges in your life already. Whatever it is that you are facing today, or are even concerned about facing tomorrow. For one thing, things never work out in the way that you expect them to. 
Sometimes they work out better, but you can never be completely and fully prepared. But you can remember that you've been through some of the toughest stuff already. So you've already got all of the foundations there to be able to go on and succeed and to get through it and to make it to another day. There we go. Amen, sister. Way to put it out there for him. And so everyone else, do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your that button lined up paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.